Welcome back on the plate for today's roundtable, the state of various races, candidates taking to the airwaves, and the politics of Puerto Rico's death toll. On the roundtable today, an all-star cast, and here they are, beginning with Rick Christie, an award-winning reporter and the editorial page editor now of the Palm Beach Post. Rick's also worked for the Wall Street Journal and the Miami Herald. Jessica Fernandez, welcome back. Jessica, Director of Public Affairs at AI Advisory, and she is the chair of the Miami Young Republicans. An old friend, Chris Smith, an attorney, former state senator from Fort Lauderdale with the uh, I'm Trip Scott Law Firm. Thank you very much. Plus, Wally's going to be mad at you. It, it, it will be. He's here too much for him to be mad. Anyway, Wait, old what? friend or longtime friend? Well, Trip Scott eluded me for a minute, but... Uh, uh, Rick, let me ask you, here you heard this discussion of Amendment 4. Yes. Polls seem to indicate that most Floridians support it and are going to vote for it, but mm -hmm. you know, it's down at the bottom of a long ballot. Do you think, I mean, it's understandable well, voters can be confused. Uh, yes, I think actually uh, they're fortunate that they're Amendment 4 and not Amendment 12. Yes. You know, and, uh, and so they have that going for them. But as you said, they also have uh, a great deal of momentum and they have a lot of public sentiment. The, uh, the people, the proponents behind this have really been pushing hard for years right. to do this and have, have uh, failed in other efforts, but uh, they've gone back, they've studied the strategy, they believe that they came up with an amendment that most people will. Uh, that most people will support, and so they're feeling pretty strongly about it. And uh, I got no I got organized opposition either. No, not no that I could group. tell, but there apparently is some opposition, <laughs> yes, but I, but it's not organized. <laughs> yeah. And I got to tell you uh, <laughs> this, uh, but I got to tell you this, uh, and maybe you guys have heard about this this uh, uh, segment on uh, John Oliver's this week we, tonight we was probably it. It. Okay, it was probably the best ad that they could have asked for. Yes. Yeah. No, it was it was. Brilliant, and it was uh, yeah, last yeah. Sunday. If you want to see John Oliver later, not now, <laughs> uh, go go to YouTube and look up John Oliver last week tonight, last Sunday night. You know, last uh, last year the legislature, it was the House, not the Senate, right. had a had a bill that died in committee to redo the process that yeah. happens now. And and I guess I think voters' big question is going to be this: Isn't there something appropriate between automatic blind restoration? and the sort of what the judge called capricious yeah. and arbitrary and sub, uh, subjective kind of process they have well, currently. What voters are going to look at is this is the opportunity to get some change. Like I said, I filed a restoration bill when I first was elected in 1999. That was like the second bill I filed. So every year the legislature's dealt with this, filed bills, filed, and nothing has happened. Well, why? Why? What ha what's the opposition? I, I guess the opposition is those that are in power are looking at you know, who may be voting, and I guess they, they just don't want it. Um, and it's been a Republican-led legislature for the whole time I was there, and they never really wanted to advance this issue. And if you look at the governors, you know, that are in office, they never really advanced this issue. Uh, but when Charlie Chris did something, Rick Scott immediately came in and it, took it, it way he back. He rolled it back. So yeah. this is one chance that voters can make a difference yeah. on this, and I think that's going to be the difference. Yes. You, know, you know, Jessica, um, I have asked Governor Scott face-to-face, -face, uh, why do you think the current clemency process is fair and the right one? And he has said, and I don't doubt his sincerity, he said, I am protecting Floridians, people who obey the law, and I'm thinking of the victims of crime and don't want them to be victimized again. Now, on its face, that's a reasonable argument. 
But when you see the way this clemency board works, it, it does, frankly, strike anybody, I think, as pretty arbitrary. Look, I mean, I think, uh, you know, to your point and to Glenna's point, I think that we need to find a medium ground. I mean, I don't, I don't think that uh, victims of crime, and let's be honest, felonies are serious crimes. They're not petty crimes. Right. Serious bodily harm, fraud, we're talking about murder, um, things like that. Yeah. I know that's excluded from the bill, yeah. um, but these are serious crimes. But, and but, it, but it's not, and that's the thing. Serious bodily mm. harm is not excluded in this bill. Yeah, sexual mm -hmm. crimes yeah. and murder are excluded, but mm -hmm. there's some other violent crimes, although, as John Oliver noted, and Rick, only, only 18% of people in prisons in Florida have committed a violent crime, a crime right. that harms somebody physically. But, right. but also, these crimes, these felons have, you know, lost the trust of society, so automatically restoring your rights after you have proven through your actions to not be a trustworthy member of society, I mean, I think that's a big ask for the, for the Floridian public to automatically restore the rights of people mm -hmm. that have chosen through their own actions to self-select, you know, and, and it's not just about um, restoring felons' rights so that, you know, they can vote and be part of society. I mean, this is also uh, a deterrent. You know, if you commit a crime in the state of Florida, there are serious consequences. You can yeah. go move to another state and vote, that's fine. But in the state of Florida, there is serious consequences for this. So I think there needs to be a happy medium between the automation of, of rights and, and, and this clemency board, which is clearly uh, having some issues and being able to, to have a bigger impact. I think prison is a deterrent. I don't think voting rights, yeah. you know, is the deterrent that yeah. that's stopping people from get, uh, creating crimes. I mean, prison is kind of the deterrent. This is a last vestiture of a, a, a system that was put in during Jim Crow time, and it's something yeah. that we need to take care of. Um, later in the mm -hmm. amendments, we have an amendment to get rid of an Asian land law. There's certain last vestitures of prejudice right. and racism in yeah. our Constitution, right. and this is one we need to get and, rid of. And, and also, Chris, I think it's important to point out that this current clemency law dates back to Reconstruction. Yes. yes. Yeah. I mean, this goes back to 1867 mm -hmm. after yeah. the Civil War. I mean, it was designed mm -hmm. to give the governor wide-ranging powers to disenfranchise, especially black men and women who broke the law so they couldn't vote. I, I think. I mean, there is a racist element to and this And then at law. the time, breaking the law wasn't what we thought of as breaking the law. Whistling at a white woman was breaking the law yeah. and taking your rights to vote. Yeah. So remember, I mean, let's look at the history and how this thing got there. And, and I like to say the bottom line is there's something wrong with someone who goes to jail or goes to prison for having a small amount of marijuana and then uh, serves their time the way, uh, the way they have been uh, adjudicated. And, they, and then when they're done with that, they can't vote. But that's there not is something marijuana. that is there. There is something wrong with that. You have people serving time who have, who are, are are really on. I mean, petty crimes. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so the happy medium thing sounds fine, but that has been tried and tried and tried. I think the point that you are at now is that the voters have to speak up for what they well, want. and they will November six. All right, everybody, hold your thoughts. We're going to move on <laughs> in a minute to President Trump and Puerto Rico. Its impact on Florida voting in just a minute. Stay with us. Back live in the studio, we are in the midst of the roundtable with Rick Christie, Jessica Fernandez, Chris Smith. Uh, Chris, uh, the president this week uh, yeah. sent out a couple of tweets about Puerto Rico, took issue with the George Washington University study that said nearly 3,000 people had died. Let's, if you've forgotten, let's put the tweet up on the screen. You can see 
exactly what the president said because it really got folks riled up. He said 3,000 people did not die in the two hurricanes that hit Puerto Rico. When I left the island, after the storm had hit, they had anywhere from 6 to 18 deaths. As time went by, it did not go up by much. Then a long time later, they started to report really large numbers like 3,000. The tweet goes on, this was done by the Democrats in order to make me look as bad as possible when I was successfully raising billions of dollars to help rebuild Puerto Rico. If a person died for any reason, like old age, just add them onto the list. Bad politics, I love Puerto Rico. Well, I want to hear from all of you, but Chris, I mean, th this offended so many people, including Governor Rick Scott, backed away from President Trump for the first time. And that's the problem with the president, with the Republican Party, is stuff like this fires up, he thinks it's firing up his base, but when you put, you know, lies like that out, it fires up the other side. Let's look back to Alabama, you know, when, he's, when he started attacking um, African-American football players, and that got black women out and won a Senate seat. And now he's doing something like this in Florida, I-4 corridor, I mean, just, just conspiracy theories um, with I-4 corridor and a big election. Um, the Puerto Rican community is mad and it should be upset, but we all should be upset that a country that's gone through Katrina, a country that's gone through a lot of disasters, and to have someone just deny it like that, it's offensive to Americans. Like, I guess the question is, wh why would he? Because it's <laughs> not like, well, this GW study, it, it's mm -hmm. not like the number came out right after the storm, was it was a fairly small number. And then but, went to 64, but, still right, relatively and, small. And those numbers, for all, for all we know, were absolutely true. And now a year later, there have been more people who have died for various reasons, not able, not electricity, not able to hook up their medical, for whatever. Mm -hmm. Jessica, so it almost seems like the president's tweet was kind of really just unnecessary because it's very possible to have 64 or 67 as a number then and 3,000 as a number now. Well, I think the problem with that number, Glenna, is that they're using a, an algorithm, a statistical model to come up with this number, a, num a way, a methodology that has never been used to calculate deaths after a storm. So I think there is a fair amount of criticism to be able to criticize this number. Obviously, it's a lot more than 64 people that have died, and any number of people that have died is way too many after the storm. Um, I think that... You know, uh, Governor Scott was was correct. You know, I think he's done a lot. He's gone to Puerto Rico many times. Has acted as a as a resource to the Puerto Rican recovery yeah. after the storm. So I think people, um, you know, like Governor Rick Scott, people in Florida, we understand what the impacts of these storms are. I just think that we should use factual numbers, numbers that are reported, that are factual, yeah. and not rely on algorithms to kind of come yeah. up and forecast a number. Well, I Harvard, think that's not reliable. Harvard reliable. Excuse me. Harvard University Medical School put the figure at roughly 4,600. Yeah. So uh, the, you know, the 2,974, whatever it was, is actually a more conservative, modest number. Uh, Rick, I mean, the fact is here that we haven't seen, Governor Scott has put a little distance between himself mm -hmm. and yes. the president over the last couple of months. This time he backed way off yeah. because there are a million Puerto Ricans in Florida, 50,000, I believe, arrived since Hurricane mm -hmm. Maria. I think, yeah, to you, I don't know about algorithms and so forth, but I mean, to your original question uh, that it was just unnecessary. And, uh, and this is uh, really kind of a pattern of the president, you know, nothing is my fault, you know, and, and so on. And, uh, and I think that it was, a, I think it was a bipartisan effort in terms of uh, people backing away from, these, from this tweet. It wasn't just yeah. Republicans, Democrats, they all agreed uh, that, uh, look, 
you know, this is just not a place to go on this particular topic. You know, whether you agree with the final number or with this estimated number or not, uh, uh, you shouldn't be arguing about people who died as a, as a result of a storm. Yeah. I mean, if you want to play with semantics, fine, but these people died, however many there were, died as a result of a storm, the same way that has happened here in, in the United States. Yeah. You know, you have people after Hurricane Harvey, which was, a, which was an awful storm also, there were people who did not die during the storm, but there were complications afterwards because right. services are taxed yeah, and right. so on. So, I mean, it was just one of those unnecessary things. Right. I mean, to, to Jessica's point, we don't yeah. know the exact number of people. That, that's certainly on point. But to make it so political, yes. it, when you have someone like Governor Scott or, or even Ron DeSantis, who has hitched his wagon to the president and is very close to the president, who has backed away also uh, this week from that particular, mm -hmm. you know, numbers debate. Uh, I think it's just really something that you can sit back and look at the president and, and think of support, oppose. It's just not about politics. Yeah. It's just not. You know, yeah. I just think that they were, you know, DeSantis and Scott were right to back off from this comment because it's not about the exact number. It's about the human tragedy mm -hmm. of people mm -hmm. dying, and that's what we need to be focusing on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. All right, kind of let's move on to some of the politics of, of this particular race because a Rasmussen poll came out on Friday, and it showed uh, that uh, essentially the race for the Senate between Governor Scott and Bill Nelson is tied. I mean, it was... 44-44 in a previous poll. This week it was 45, uh, uh, Nelson 44, uh, Scott in this yeah. poll. I mean, these guys are <laughs> so close. Yeah. Well, I, I think what's going to help Nelson is Andrew Gilliam getting out the younger voters and getting those young voters to come and vote for a Democrat, right. especially like uh, of the independents and, and the no party affiliations. I mean, I during our souls to the polls, I met a young lady, Ebony Titamine, who said that, you know, she, she couldn't vote in the primary. I told her she could, but she was looking forward to if Gilliam makes it to vote for him. Now, she's a no party affiliation, but if she's going to go out and vote for Gilliam, if these young millenniums are going to come vote mm -hmm. for Gilliam, that's going to help Nelson tremendously. All right, you know what? what? There's, a, there's a lot to unpack on this subject, so let's <laughs> take a very quick break and we'll pick it up right after the break. Stay tuned. All right, let's pick up where we left off. We're talking about the governor's race and the polls showing there, there's still a margin of error. Andrew Gillum, Ron DeSantis, very close. And, and in a total uh, Alice in Wonderland moment, it's Andrew Gillum that was not in Florida this week, but everywhere else in the country. <laughs> and Ron DeSantis touring in-state where he hadn't been prior to giving up his, his seat in Congress. Jessica, the, uh, this is such a close race between two people who are so opposite and now so national. All the money is coming in from everywhere else to our governor's race. Handicap this, look at those numbers. 48% Andrew Gillum, Ron DeSantis 42%, a snapshot at the moment. Yes. And um, you are a pollster. Yes, no, I mean, this, this same poll by Rasmussen found that 63% of the same um, universe of voters find that the economy is the most important topic in jobs. So, I mean, I, I, as, a, as a Republican, I would say if you like the way that the economy is going, if you like all the job creation in Florida, you know, you probably should stick with that. Um, you know, uh, you know, the, Gillum has proposed, you know, expanding Medicare for all. You know, as we know, the, just that part of the health care budget right now is about 40 percent of our budget. I mean, if you tax, tax the richest, uh, you know, 1 percent of all Floridians, 100 percent of their income, it still wouldn't 
come up with the funds to give Medicare for all. You know, Gillum has also focused on things like abolishing ICE, which is kind of crazy in a state like Florida when we, we're bordered uh, by, you know, they're not sure waters on all sides, pretty much. Um, so know, go, go back to, you, I think you have a really good point. The, the economy is it, but not for everybody. I mean, and, and yeah, I mean, to your point before, there are millennials who are going to vote. For a lot of millennials, the economy's not so good. For a lot of African Americans, the economy's not so good. It's good for some, it's not good for others. And that's kind of- well, Yeah, the, the stock market's base, up and right. the economy's doing well in the stock market. But when you get to voters, when you go to those millennials, when you go to those that are gonna vote and ask, hey, did you get you know anything back from that tax cut? Did you really get anything? Now, there are a lot of- Well, you know, they'll say yes. Huh? Everyone got something. Say, everybody yeah. got more everybody, money. Everyone I talked to everybody got more money. Is, is not saying not saying. I mean, that. it may not be a, a lot to some people, but they got. <laughs> <laughs> they got. Well, I need to hang around y'all friends because the people <laughs> I hang with aren't getting much. Yeah. Back you're paying from a lot that. of taxes, means you're making a lot of money. So that's always I a good thing. I think two things stood out to me on that on that poll, and uh, one, if if you were, uh, came out of the primary wondering whether or not Andrew Gillum could actually win a mm -hmm. general election, well, I think that question has been answered. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing for me that was curious about that poll, and, 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 and Jessica brought it up, is that the disconnect between the economy and Ron DeSantis or the Republicans. Mm -hmm. As she said, it is the economy stupid. If the economy is doing well, which Florida's economy is doing overall, mm -hmm. is doing well, there's a disconnect here and, and, uh, uh, between what voters are perceiving and, uh, and the candidate and the party that's in power. That's something that needs to be explored and they need to do something about. Yeah, uh, Chris, I need to mm -hmm. get your thoughts on this uh, particularly. Well, here's, I think it was Tuesday, Ron DeSantis went out with Ron Bergeron. <laughs> the obligatory. Alligator Ron went out for the obligatory ride <laughs> in the Everglades. Is that and, fair? And you know, to Ron DeSantis's mm -hmm. credit, he did release a, an environmental yes. Yes, program. Yeah. This is the one substantive mm -hmm. area of policy where he has said anything. He hasn't really said mm -hmm. anything about anything else. Yes, that's Healthcare, true. That's uh, true. immigration, anything uh, that we know of. Uh, you you, sounded, you took a breath. You sounded no, no, like no, you had no, something no, to say. No, no, I, the, the, question, the question is this. Uh, both the Herald, the you know, Palm Beach Post, all the papers in Florida in the last two days, have carried this story, I think the Herald's got the story today, uh, about Andrew Gillum and the FBI investigation in Tallahassee. And this is a lingering cloud. He said, he said on this program, said elsewhere, he is not the target of this investigation. And yet there's a story about going to New York with these FBI undercover agents, taking them on a boat ride, taking them to see Hamilton. And you just, you know, he's got to dispel this. Yeah, I mean, and from, do it soon. From, from the insiders, I mean, being in Tallahassee, knowing the situation, he is clearly not a part of this. I mean, there was they were going after another city commissioner there, right. and there, there are some issues out there. But that's that's the irony part. So you got a group of people who are saying FBI is terrible. Do not look at their investigations when it comes to Washington. But now they want to put it front and center when it comes to Tallahassee. I think I think it's a cloud that's going to stay out there. But when you look at the facts, anybody that really look at it. He is not part of any of the influence peddling that they said um, was part of. It, I, I don't think it's going to be a real issue because the, the issues are so stark when it comes to DeSantis and Gilliam. I think there's so many other issues. That's a sideshow. But when it comes to, like you say, from the environment to economy to education, those two are so polar opposites. I think that that's just a sideshow that's not going to influence as many voters as, as you think. Yes. 
You want to go first? Well, I, I was just going to say, you know, for the same people who are saying that the FBI investigation and the Mueller investigation is such an important mm -hmm. thing, now they're turning around and saying this is not an important investigation, you know, that's that's kind of problematic. And well, that opinion. argument had two sides. <laughs> yeah. Also, you know, as far as as far as being an administrator, you know, after the storms last year, and I believe several times this year, there's been a power problem in Tallahassee. People not getting their power turned on. So, as from an administration perspective, which is the governor is the head administrator, we need somebody to be able to turn the lights back on after a storm, and that's very well, important. Well, yeah. they have a municipal company in Tallahassee, so it's the city's company that is smaller. Of course, down here, we got FPNL, who's one of the best in the business. We're going to get power faster. When you have your own municipal company and the way that, that Tallahassee That's a whole segment out, we got to do. I'm not sure everybody yeah, 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 agree with that. Rick, you get the last word. Well, I don't think we want to get into how people handle the storm because, I mean, the nursing home situation that happened after Irma is a much pr bigger problem than they had in yeah. Tallahassee. You know, but I think in terms of the FBI, uh, in terms of the FBI probe, I think they are the only ones who could dispel this, truly dispel this by saying, and they're not going to. They're not going to do that until after the election. So Basically, as far as so the Republicans, in my opinion, just from observing, are doing the right thing. And uh, we always thought uh, when we were going through our endorsement process for our editorial board, one of the things that made us pause with Andrew was the fact that this is mm -hmm. really a cloud. And it's not a matter of whether or not was it real or not. This is politics. Yeah. <laughs> as long as the cloud is there, it's real. All right, Good way that's going to gonna be yeah. the, the last word. Uh, Rick, thanks for driving down from Palm Beach. <laughs> we, West Palm Beach. Oh, glad to come. All right, glad you're here. Thank Jessica, you. always great to have you. Chris Smith, great to see you. Thank you.